What's up, dude? <laughs> no, so this week, like the week was fine up until, I mean, even it's still fine up until I guess like Friday is when I started to really like break out in poison ivy and I am super allergic to poison ivy, like very, very allergic. So we were clearing out some beds um, and we didn't realize they had, had poison ivy in it until it was kind of too late. And Eric has literally three little dots on his forearm. I have it all over my legs. It's migrating up my torso. I wow. found one little like like little dot on my wrist. So I had to go to urgent care and they had to put me on prednisone. They also gave me a topical steroid. And then the icing on the cake is I developed a sinus infection. So I haven't been out of the gym for quite some time. Um, but I'm feeling much better. I just look a mess and probably sound a mess. Right. I'm sorry that you're going through that. That's honestly, it's okay. I've been seeing it on your story. I'm just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, it's just it's just one curveball after another. But honestly, it's okay. You just kind of have to like go with the punches and just learn to laugh about it. Um, it was good though, because Eric and I have been taking it easy kind of been doing some things around the house that we've been needing to get done. I've been resting a lot, staying up on my fluids, um, watching movies and stuff. So it was actually kind of like a much needed just like break, but yeah, it's, it's all good. So you haven't been training, I assume? No, no, no I didn't want to be that asshole that like, cause like, you know, you, when you feel like the onset of a sinus infection and like your throat starts to hurt, like I'm not going to go train and be that asshole that's clearly sick at the gym, especially in the middle of a pandemic. Like, mm -hmm. nah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because, um, like, as I mean, not trying to change the subject, but as far as the pandemic, I don't know. Like, what do you think? Do you think everything's going to stay open? I feel like that's a good thing to, like, kind of talk about. Like, I don't know. Like, I think everything's going to stay open, but you never really know. Like, you never know what these people so, so I think it just depends on the state. Like I think yeah. depending upon how your state responded the first time around, that could probably be a clear indicator of whether mm -hmm. or not it's going to stay open, you know, the second, third, fourth, fifth time around. Well, I mean, um, California, okay, so California was like the first state to go and like the, well, the first city to go into shelter in place in the nation was San Francisco. And I was in San Francisco at the time. Um, and then like California completely shut down and then like every other state I felt like at least was kind of open or they started opening before we did and we just stayed closed. Like, and then now I guess they're trying to recall Newsom, like, uh, the governor here because of how he handled, I guess, the, the closing procedures for California. So like, I really don't know, like, I don't know what's going to happen, but Wow. I just hope every I just hope everyone stays safe, like, and continues to just not be assholes about it. Like, just, just don't be an asshole, please. <laughs> like, we're all struggling. I mean, it's serious. Like, it's not any. It's not something that we want to just be like, oh, whatever about you know. So. Exactly. So I don't know, but hopefully things stay open where it doesn't like ruin the economy, and hopefully people don't lose like their jobs again. Because I know that was like a big stressor for everyone. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm just hoping things stay open. And well, part of me does because like working from home was nice. Like, I'm not gonna lie, like working from home all the time was nice. So that's like, one of the things that I kind of miss about it. It was a very peaceful time, I think, for me, at least. But 
now that things are kicking up, like at least like right now, I'm not having to go in work because I told you, didn't I tell you um, I was like waking up at like five and I would get to work at like seven and I would stay there and then I would train. Yeah, that wasn't working for me anymore. And I was just like, I can't do this. Like, so I changed my schedule to be to where I go in at 10 and I end at seven instead. And that's been working like for my wellness so much more because I I think the whole waking up at five thing when it was still dark was really messing with me. Like, I don't know why, but it just wasn't working anymore. And so I had to change it. So now I'm training at work because I, I work at an athletic facility. So I'm training at work and I get to wake up a little later, get my walk in and then go to work. And it's been working out so much better. I just don't have that much of time, like free time when I come home. You know what I mean? Because I come home at like seven or I come home at like eight and then I'll go to sleep at like nine. So. You're prioritizing what's important to you and that's training and your meals. So, and your, and your well-being. So I think, you know, maybe it's not like the best schedule right now, but you're, sounds like you're thriving a lot better. So I'm glad you found something that works better for you. Yeah, for sure. I had to, because it was not working out. I was like, I'm, I don't know how long I'm going to be able to do this. Like, <laughs> So. I had to just for my own sanity. Absolutely. Absolutely. But no, you sound like you're doing good. So you had a nice week then? Say that again. You had a nice week? Oh, yeah, I did. I had a good week. I mean, well, my week was very busy. Um, it was the first week of school. So, like, people were coming back to campus. And that was very different being around a ton of people. Like, it was weird, Ashley. Like I hadn't been around people like that in a long time, um, especially students, especially on a college campus. It was very, it, it was, it, it felt like things were normal, but it's not completely normal yet. Like people are still wearing masks. And if at my, um, on my campus, you have to wear a mask indoors, whether or not you're vaccinated. Um, so that's been hard, like a, a hard thing to get through with students, too, because some of them don't want to wear their masks. You know, they're like, I'm vaccinated. So that's been difficult to, like, run through as well. And it's just been different, like, being around people because um, I haven't been doing that for a long time. So or at least like <laughs> large groups of people. Right, right. No, I'm sure that's a huge change. And hopefully people kind of, like, respect the not law, but like respect, like whatever it is the campus like has in place just for everyone's safety. I'm sorry. Hold on. Like my guinea pig is freak. I don't know if you can hear him running around. <laughs> he is running. He is going crazy. Arlo, what's going on, man? <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Anyway, but yeah, it's been, this week was very different. Hopefully next week calms down. Um, in this next couple of weeks as the school year continues, um, but this week was crazy for me, for sure. It was good. It was just crazy. Awesome. Well, I'm happy to hear it. What are we talking about today, Brittany? Protein! 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 Protein. No, so this, the title of this episode is the who, what, when, where, and why of protein, just because I'm lame as hell and I couldn't think of a better title, but hopefully it gives you an in-depth understanding of what is protein? Who needs it? Like, what are the best sources? You know, when should we consume it? You know, where is it stored in the bodies? So we have all of these like heavy hitter sub notes of just talking about protein. So hopefully by the end of this, you're like, 
a protein wizard and there are no questions and everything is easy peasy lemon squeezy. But the first things first, who should be consuming protein? Everyone, you, your mom, your grandma, how much? That's a different topic. That's a different story, but everyone should be consuming protein. Like if you do not, you are not going to be healthy. Your body will deteriorate. And I mean, it could potentially be lethal, you know, like your body just needs protein. Yes. It's the basic building blocks. Like it, it is the most, I mean, especially in terms of like physique development, I mean, health. Yeah. We can touch on health too. Like, but physique development protein is probably like the this macronutrient that you want to focus on if you're like i mean even raising your protein is going to do a monument do crazy things to you if you're like if you're the if you're that type of person that doesn't really like track their macros and they don't get enough protein raising your protein will change the way your the way your body recovers, it'll change the way it starts putting on muscle. It is, it'll change your thermogenic effect like throughout the day because it's calorically expensive to break down. Um, And so it's very important. It's something that you really want to focus on. Um, So yeah, let's get into protein. Yeah. So essentially you kind of already answered what is it? Um, So it is obviously a macronutrient that we must be, that we must consume from the diet. You know, they are, protein is essentially made up of these little building blocks called amino acids. Um, So the body either makes them from scratch or they'll modify others, except for these nine essential amino acids or, you know, EAAs, as you've heard them, like we have to get those from the diet because the body isn't able to just kind of like conjure them up. So we have total of 20 amino acids, nine as that are super essential that we contain in the diet. And then the other 11, your body's kind of able to like either make them from scratch or modify them into others. Um, but then there gets into this debate about like, well, Ash and Britt, what sources are best? And it depends in terms of digestibility for you. But I kind of did a lot of research to determine, you know, how do scientists come up with ways to determine like what is best? And there's a lot of like different um, things that they use. Um, the protein digestibility corrected amino acid score is by far the best. But I thought it'd be interesting to kind of talk about, well, what are some ways that they used to classify protein and how did they determine which one was best in terms of total digestion, absorption, and utilization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so when we're like determining protein quality, we want to look at the protein efficiency ratio and its bioavailability or biological value. Um, how well the body utilizes and digests protein. Um, and so this is very, this can be different for different individuals. So like, don't just think like, oh, like, what about, you know, Sally? And it, it, it really depends. Um, but this, this is research that has come up as far as what is the best, what is, what are the best sources for you? Especially when it comes to like, I mean, if you want to talk about physique development, I'm always, that's like what we do. Um, there's a reason why we eat certain types of protein. Um, there's a reason why you can build more muscle or you can see a rate 
of production faster and recover faster with certain sources of protein based on these values. Um, so I know that there's lots of opinions on, does it really matter? Um, just in short, yes, it does matter. And I know you wish it didn't, but it does. <laughs> so this is something we're gonna touch on today and kind of tell you why it matters. We're telling you why it matters um, and why and how the body utilizes that protein um, and, and why, why we need to be so I, you know, kind of picky and, and bougie about like what, what we choose to ingest as far as our protein sources, because there are better ones. Um, just saying. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So scientists, you know, came up with this like protein efficiency ratio score where essentially what they did is they wanted to determine the effectiveness of a protein through the measurement of animal growth, um, specifically looking at rats. And so essentially they gave protein to rats to see how buff they would get. So they used casein as the standard and they used other protein sources to test against casein. And essentially what they did is they measured um, grams of weight gain up to the grams of protein consumed. The only issue with that is it doesn't necessarily translate to the correlation of growth of human needs because yes, like genetically rats and humans are very, very similar. But again, you have to be kind of aware that although similar, we're not the same, right? So, you know, the protein efficiency ratio kind of does give a little bit of insight. Um, but we also can look at the biological value, um, abbreviated BV, if you've ever read it in standard you know, literature talking about protein. Um, but the biological value essentially measures protein quality by calculating the nitrogen used for tissue formation divided by the nitrogen absorbed from the food. So essentially the product is multiplied by hundred ex and expressed as a percentage. So in English, <laughs> it provides a measurement of how efficient the body utilizes that protein consumed in the diet. So higher value correlates to a higher supply of amino acids and animal sources are going to be typically having a higher biological value. Um, compared to like, you know, vegan and vegetarian sources. But the big issue with using the biological value as a standard of measuring protein quality is that it doesn't necessarily take into consideration digestion of the protein, the interaction of other foods before absorption, and measures the protein's max potential quality, not its estimate at required levels. So it kind of does a good job, but then also the, like any standard form of measurement, it's going to have some level of error associated with it. Right. So this is where like a lot of the discrepancy is between like animal sources and other sources is protein is a lot. We talk a lot about the bioavailability of it um, because that's really important. Like, can you utilize that protein? Um, and, you know, how much of it that you're consuming of it that you're consuming, can you utilize? Um, and so we want to make sure that, in short, like we're consuming sources that we we can use, right? Um, and then that brings us to net protein utilization. So kind of similar to bioavailability, except it's involved in a direct measure of retention of absorbed nitrogen. So it still measures nitrogen, um, but it measures the net protein utilization from the nitrogen that's ingested. Um, so those are a little bit different, kind of same, 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 but different. Um, and Ash, do you, I saw, see you have something here. 
that I think you should probably elaborate on. Yeah. So the, you know, the, the kind of the gold standard, if you will, for measuring protein is going to be the PDCAAS, which is just essentially the protein digestibility corrected for amino acid score, which they need a better, <laughs> the acronym is helpful, but they need a better, a snappier like shield. <laughs> they need a snappier like acronym for that. But all that means is it evaluates a food's protein quality by comparing its amino acid composition to what our bodies use. So it compares the amount of essential amino acids in the food to a reference pattern based on the essential amino acid requirements of a two to five-year-old child to determine its most limiting amino acid. So if you've ever, throw back to your chemistry, um, if you've ever heard of like the rate limiting step, this is kind of what that's talking about. It's like what amino acid is the first one to be, what essential amino acid is the first one that would essentially limit, you know, protein formation and that's going to essentially give it a higher or lesser score. So 1.00 is the highest score that you can get. And you're going to be thinking of things like your casein, your egg, your milk, your whey protein, your soy protein. Um, and the protein powders being isolate being the best because if there's um, more, essentially, like you want the isolate best because there's going to be more whey compared to lactose and milk fat, which is why we always talk about doing that isolate and not necessarily using concentrate. Um, but essentially there's this big chart that, you know, um, kind of gives a good estimation of what protein is the best in terms of different foods. And in the chart, you can see pretty much all animal protein sources are going to be superior to plant sources. Um, with the exception mm -hmm. of that soy protein, the soy protein isolate, that's going to be much better. Um, but on the chart, the last one, the last three, I think are super important to talk about. And that is your wheat gluten and your fucking peanuts. I am so <laughs> tired of people marketing peanuts as a good source of protein. Does it contain protein? Does it contain amino acids? Yes. Yes. But it's the quality there. Yes. It's there. That's why, you know, that's one of the things and reasons why I was touching on this earlier is that there is a difference like you can't you can't just see something like it, it kills me when i see like um little packets of peanut or uh peanuts or like nut butter or even like just like bars like those little snack bars that say it has like 14 grams of protein and it's like plant-based or it's like like just it's 14 grams of protein like you have to think about like 14 grams of protein from what right like Okay, first of all, 14 grams of protein is minute. Like, you shouldn't look at something like that and think, oh, it's high protein, because honestly, it's not high protein. Um, and it doesn't have the quality that you need, like, to, for it to benefit you in the way that you want it to. So the, the, me saying, like, you want most of your protein to not come from sources like that. You want most of your protein to come from animal sources lean meats, um, things that have a high bioavailability, things that your body can utilize for recovery, muscle protein synthesis, all of those awesome things. Now, it's okay. Like, I'm not saying it's, it's, you should never have things like that. We're not saying that you can't have peanuts. I'm saying, we're saying that your protein sources, like, it shouldn't, that should not be the majority of it. You should be very smart about what you're eating. Um, 
Ashley, I did want to ask you, because um, I, you know, we're looking at notes here and seeing like, you know, you know, combining things to create all of the essential amino acids. And, you know, you were vegan for a long time. And I wanted to ask you, like, how, how has it been different for you? Um, if you don't mind sharing. No, like, of course not. No, I, I wanted to kind of get into this. So yeah. something that I noticed in prep, and this is something that a lot of vegans are guilty of, um, not calling out anyone in particular, but I will call it myself. When your calories get low, you start relying off vital wheat gluten or seitan, satan, however the hell you want to pronounce it. But again, the protein digestibility score for wheat gluten is horseshit. It is horseshit. Okay. So what you need to understand about that is if you are surviving off of wheat gluten, you need to stop because your muscle protein, your muscle content is going to suffer. And mine suffered so much. You can see it in my physique as I start to lean down, as the calories get lower, I was relying more off this vital wheat gluten and my muscles looked awful. I looked super freaking stringy. I lost strength, lost so much size because I was relying off of a quote unquote macro friendly protein. And I was missing the complete sources. I did not use enough soy and pea, which is what I should have done because I have much better mm -hmm. scores. I relied yes. too much off that vital wheat gluten and oof, oof, yes. dude, it was you know, bad. So what, what ends up happening is the physique starts to look soft. Um, so you'll look small and like Ashley was saying, stringy. Um, but when your calories get low, obviously, like, I mean, if you like for someone like me who has never been vegan, like I've always had animal protein, um, your physique when your calories get low, you get kind of flat or you don't get kind of flat. You get pretty flat because mm -hmm. you don't have glycogen in your muscles stored anymore. Um, and so what ends up happening when someone who's not vegan gets on a lower protein? I remember my, my first prep. I think my protein was at like, it was stupid. Uh, my coach was going off of my body weight. Don't do this. Oh, I was no. like 95 pounds. So he put my protein at 95 grams. No. And what so happening what it is that my physique started looking soft. Like it started, I was lean, like I was lean, but I was soft. Um, and so, and that's one of the reasons why it's not because it's not because I was so much flat. I mean, yes, I was flat, but that's what happens. And so that's, that's what happened to me as somebody that was still eating animal protein. So you're talking about somebody that is having vegan sources. Um, so yes, what ends up happening there is again, the physique gets soft, um, and it gets soft prematurely. Um, and so it's really hard to recover after that one, you're on lower calories and two, you're not on the, the sources that are, would be most optimal for you. Um, and so just be very aware of that. Like when you are getting into lower calories, you're relying a lot on your protein. And so your protein sources matter so much. I mean, they matter all the time, but definitely like when you're down in calories, you want to be very mindful about what types of protein that you, you put into your body. And, um, at that time I was, you know, I was, I, I was my first show, but I, I didn't know as nearly as much as I know now. And so my protein sources were very sporadic. Like I was eating like, you know, some meals I'd have like 10, I, I would have like 10 grams here. And then another meal I'd have like 40 grams. And, but again, like my protein was so low that like, I couldn't really go 
over like 25 grams per meal. So it was like, it was crazy. Um, and that's very, that's not very much at all. Right. Especially, and so especially in a prep situation and a prep situation that's very, very low. Yeah. If so. you're dieting, your protein should be much higher than that. Like, oh, it yeah. should be. Um, it's, but much more on the, the vegan protein sources, like you also don't want to be hammering your gut with a bunch of wheat gluten because whether or not you have celiacs is kind of irrelevant. Like too much of that wheat gluten can, can essentially really fuck with, you know, your gut. And, you know, I've seen a lot of cases where people like bloat a lot. They might have a little bit of symptoms of leaky gut issues just because of all that gluten like impacting their digestive system. So not only is it not a great source of protein in terms of its quality, but then like, we're also thinking of like introducing gut issues and bloating. And like the last thing that you need to be dealing with prep or not prep is gut issues. Right. Definitely. Yeah. So these are, you know, this is really gold information right here, y'all. Like definitely like if you're in a prep situation, your, your protein is like more than likely it's going to be higher than usual. Um, and just, just be very aware of that. Like, and you need to be mindful about what types of protein you're having, um, because it does matter. Um, and you get what you pay for too, by the way. Mm-hmm. Okay. You get what you pay for and it does matter if it's grass fed it does matter if it's if it's farm raised it matters just be very aware um the way that humans prepare meat and the way they raise meat um will have an impact on how it it will have an effect on how it impacts you systemic wise okay so you get what you pay for yes it is yes there is such thing as better quality protein sources when you go to the grocery store and be very aware of that and you can tell me I'm full of shit for it, it's fine. But you will see a difference in your physique. I promise you. So. 100%. And also to touch on, like, you can also still build muscle on a vegan diet. Like, I don't, yes. we're not, like, crapping on vegan or vegetarian. We're not. We're just saying there's a way to do it. Um, Absolutely. There's a, there's an, there's a way to do it. And then there's a way to do it. So, like, <laughs> just make sure you're aware of that. Um, but, all right. So. When should we consume protein? This is like my little, like, I love talking about nutrient timing. I remember, um, well, usually when we talk about nutrient timing, we are talking about carbs, but there's also a way to do it with protein as well. Um, So you want it to be consistent throughout the day with multiple meals to maximize muscle protein synthesis. Um, Yes, you want to prioritize protein pre or pre and post-workout, really. Um, to have the best impact for muscle protein synthesis um, and battling muscle protein breakdown or becoming catabolic. Um, But really, you need to have it throughout the day. And there's a few reasons for it. One of the main reasons that I like to touch on is making sure that your thermogenic effect is higher throughout the day. So that way your body has something to constantly um, feed on and kind of break down. when you are training or you have like mid, like you are having your intro workout, it's really important to use an EAA or essential amino acid uh, supplement because this is going to promote your recovery and gains for lean body mass during training time. Um, even if protein intake is adequate, I know a lot of people have lots of questions about that. They're like, should I have EAA? It's like if my protein is higher, I've always been really confused about that. 
um, yes, you should have an EAA supplement regardless of if your protein intake is adequate. Um, there's studies suggesting that EAAs around the timing or around the time of training, as opposed to just after, is more beneficial uh, to promoting muscle hypertrophy. So just, yes, you should be taking EAA supplement. It's one of those ones that I think we talked about this in our supplement uh, podcast, too. It's one of those ones that's kind of like if you're training hard, you definitely need to be taking something. Um, so, yeah. And do you? Absolutely. I think, though, if you have like a lot of things you need to work on as coaches, we would much rather you focus on making the protein spacing and that nutrient timing more equal throughout the day and learning mm-hmm. to prioritize that. Then add in the EAAs. Like, I don't think that someone who like has you know, 10 grams of protein at one meal, 60 grams of protein at another. And then, you know, they're like, oh, well, I have to have my EAAs. Like, no, like fix, yeah. like let's have a hierarchy of importance here. Like fix your protein spacing throughout the day first. And then once that is good, there's no digestion issues, you, you're able to be consistent with that. Then add in that EAA supplement during your training. But like, you know, we want to make sure that we're having that protein spacing constant throughout the day. And then on top of that, we can add in that EAA later on. Just for the sake of consistency and adherence. Right. And when I when we say protein spacing, we mean dividing your protein, your total protein between your meals throughout the day. Okay. So if I have, what do I have right now? I got like 140 grams of protein and I have five meals a day. I should be averaging about 28 grams per meal. Okay. So that is an equal spacing, right? Like that's five meals, 28 grams. However, you know, pre intra post workout, because carbs are higher, I could pull down a little bit on that protein. Um, But I get nervous when it's anywhere below 20 grams. And that's like pushing it, you definitely want it to be, especially if you're a woman 20, 20 grams or more. For men, I would say like, I mean, depending on their, depending on how much protein, I would say about 30, probably more. Um, but I, I wouldn't go below 20 for a meal. I mean, even if you're having a quote snack, <laughs> like I know some of you like to Trigger. say, like, I know, I know y'all like to say you're having quote snacks. So if you're going to have a quote snack, have at least, if you're a woman, have at least 20 to 25 grams of protein with it. And that can be, I mean, that can be hard for some people to see a snack as something that should be high protein, but honestly, your snack should probably be just protein if you're going to do it. If you're just going to do snacks. Um, So just keep that in mind, too. Uh, For those of you that are like, oh, I want to eat this, but I I don't have the protein. Like, it would be optimal to have meals. Or if you have a smaller meal or you want to call it a snack, make sure it's some protein in it. It still matters. Since we're uh, throwing out numbers, a question that popped into my mind that I'm sure a lot of people would like clarification on can your body absorb more than 30 grams of protein at a time? Are you asking me? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> like, I had that in, I didn't know if you were asking me or not. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> no, I just, I heard that, like, I, I remember this was, like, back in high school when I remember, like, hearing this where you're like, your body can absorb more than 30 grams of protein at a time. Like, motherfucker, if you're this 300-pound bodybuilder, yeah. do you honestly think they're having, like, 
10 small meals a day with 30 grams. No, like no. they're going to be consuming way more than 30 grams of protein. I mean, absolutely. And there are, you know, other variables that, I mean, come into play with that. Um, But definitely, like, you got to get out of your minds that, like, there's a certain amount of protein that you cannot have or should have. Like, um, there's a a different, definitely a difference between a general population person and a bodybuilder. There's definitely a difference between somebody who trains like we train and not, um, but my guinea pig is doing this thing again, but (laughs) make sure that you are not looking at, um, science based on like what is supposed to be for general population and trying to apply it to high level advanced athletes. Like, don't do that or people that are trying to get there. There's a, it's, it's very different for them um, and us, I should say, just us. Um, and it's different for, for you too. Um, and so just please don't hear things like that and just take them and run with it um, because you can definitely, I mean, 30 grams, honestly, like if we're talking about numbers is from a bodybuilder's point of view is very normal, very normal, if not like very low. Like so, exactly. like my protein is at 180 grams, and I eat five meals a day. Meals, not snacks. Meals. Okay, so that means about every meal I have should be about 36 grams of protein. But does that mean since I'm going over 30 that that six grams is SOL? No, right. <laughs> of course not. That would be asinine. It like, doesn't work like that, you know. So it's like, yeah, I've, I don't want to get too far into it. Agreed. Agreed. But no, I just thought I'd ask that question because I know that's something that I've heard being asked a lot. And again, that was like probably 10, 15 years ago mm-hmm. that, you know, I don't know if it was a study or whatever, but someone was like 30 grams of protein being like the magic, like protein number. Yeah. I've had, um, like I've even had athletes, like lifestyle athletes when they start eating, you know, more protein or I assign them more protein and they're, they're kind of pushed back. They push back a little bit. They're like, am I supposed to be eating this much protein? Like, cause they're not used to it. And then after, you know, a few weeks, they see the benefits. They're more, um, they're, they feel more satiety. Uh, they feel better. They are recovering better in the gym. They can train harder. Um, and you know, it doesn't mean that I'm giving my women like 200 grams of protein, but it does mean that like from what they were having previously, increasing it does help. So remember, like we're we're using yes, research based stuff here, but we're also talking from experience from what we've from what we do, and then also our athletes. And I don't think I've had anyone like object to me about like having more protein in their diet once it's lower. They do feel generally feel a, a better level of well being, a higher level of well being. Um. So, um, protein storage. Um, protein makes up a lot of our body, obviously in the muscle. Um, but it also is stored in the bone, skin, hair, every other body part. Um, so yes, like it has the potential to help with skin and hair growth, like ladies or like if like nails and hair and things like that, it's really important. Um, it's a very important macronutrient for that. And it's just, it's important to consume enough protein in the diet 
because it makes up a lot of the enzymes that power reactions in the body. Um, and it also assists with new formation of molecules by reading genetic information stored in DNA. Um, so protein functions as an antibody, which binds to foreign particles to help protect the body as well. <clears throat> yeah, they even act as like little like protein messengers to help transmit mm -hmm. signals to coordinate like biological processes between cells, tissues, organs. So we're thinking like something like growth hormone here. It can also act as a structural component to support cells and also allow the body to move. So it's specifically talking about actin, which is that protein um, that combines with myosin to help essentially your muscles to contract. So that's something that's kind of where that protein comes in with the muscle um, factors in. It's also, again, important in building and repairing muscles. And it can even help to carry oxygen around in the blood in the form of being mm -hmm. like hemoglobin. So like protein has a lot of functions and normally we think of protein in physique development, but again, it is important. Even if you're like a quote unquote, like normie, that isn't like a huge bodybuilder, like you still need to consume protein. You know, how much kind of depends upon like your lifestyle factors, you know, any genetic predisposition. So like, obviously if you do have like actual kidney damage and kidney failure, like, yeah, maybe having a super high protein diet isn't for you, but chances are like, if you are genuinely healthy, like you could eat more protein than just like the 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. That's like the bare bones minimum, like right. minimum, like you could always have more. So like, it's okay to have, you know, a higher protein diet. Like you're not gonna, <laughs> like, you're not gonna mm -hmm. damage your kidneys. Like you're not gonna die. Like Britt said, like an episode or two ago, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's, you have to understand that like the dietary recommendations like for protein per kilogram of body weight is is what you can survive on. It's not what would be optimal for someone who's trying to develop a physique or caring about like just body composition in general. Like if you're trying to lose weight, it's you need to have protein. Yes, like absolutely. And I think that people kind of get this like, oh, protein is just for people that are trying to build muscle. And that's not the case at all. You need, you absolutely need to be consuming protein, even if you're just trying to lose, lose weight, or maybe you're obese and you, you want to, you want to lose body fat, like protein is essential. And it, it needs to be more than the bare minimum. Um, so yeah, I recommended 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram, but recommended for our purposes, physique development, um, body composition, 1.8 to 2.2 grams. Um, that's just a general recommendation. This can always be very different depending on each person. Um, and it can be different depending on how your macronutrients are set up already. So, so to give everyone kind of like a general idea, so I weigh like one, I think it was like 156 this morning. Hello, prednisone. <laughs> Hello, water. But to give you guys an idea, like my bare bones minimum for protein should be like 57 grams. Bare bones minimum. And I already told you guys I'm eating 180. So like that goes to show you that like you're allowed to go above the recommendation because the, you know, the recommendation is like 2.2 grams per kilogram. Okay, so that's like one gram per pound essentially for a u.s standard mm -hmm. metric so that's like i should be at least eating like 156 but again mark has me eating 180 because my body 
can handle, you know, the full 180 grams of protein. Like we just got that food bump, I think a couple of weeks ago and it's handling it. Like there's no digestion issues. There's no constipation, none of that. So you are allowed to eat more. It is okay. And maybe that's going to help you based on whatever it is your goal, whether it's fat loss, muscle building, maintenance, like you have to find the right, you know, macronutrient, you know, profile for yourself and base it off literature, but then also understand that like, you are not just literature, like you are also a human being. Right. I, that this aspect of just protein and how much, like it really depends on how much you can handle. And also understand that like, you don't just go from eating 50 grams of protein per day to 180 grams of protein either. Um, It takes time for enzymes and things to develop in the gut to be able to process that much. And it takes time for you to build muscle for your body to even need that much. So don't just go, if you're listening to this and you're like, I'm eating like 50 grams a day and now I'm going to start eating 180 because Brittany and Ashley are talking about how good protein is. Don't do that. Like incrementally increase it, like, because it takes time for you to even need that much. Um, so like, I remember when I started, I think I was only, I was about what, when I started weightlifting, I was a hundred pounds. So what did I do? I was like, okay, one gram per kilogram of body per, or one gram per uh, pound of body weight. That's how I did it. So I was eating like a hundred grams, but it took time for me to get up to 140, 150. And I'm a small girl. Like I'm like 4'11". So that's why like I need like a a little bit more than, yeah. Like you said you're 4'11". Yes, I'm 4'11". (laughs) Yeah, so I, you know, so I, it took time, like, and even a bump of 50, 50 grams, like from the hundred, that's a lot. Like, and I remember it took me years. Like I was, I remember after like a year, I was at like 125. And then now, you know, when I got with Mark, like he, he put, pushed up my protein because he was like, you can handle that much. So let's go ahead and do that. Um, And so that's what we did. And I had never been eating that much protein in my life. Like, but I grew and I recovered so much faster and I was able to, um, I was able to train harder. Um, but also remember that like, we didn't just bump up protein. We had other macronutrients around that too. So, you know, there's a lot that goes into physique development and it's not just protein. So I don't want to like highlight protein and say like carbs and fats don't matter because they absolutely do. But, um, just know that this is a large majority of what's going to help you through your progression and in your time through starting your bodybuilding journey if you are just starting. And if you're not, and now you see the value of protein and you want to bump that shit up, go ahead and do it. As long as you can handle it, it's not going to hurt you. So. Absolutely. And so like, what are, like, what are some common protein foods? So like, obviously meats, so they can be like beef, lamb, veal, pork, Mm -hmm. You know, thinking of poultry, so chicken, turkey, duck, you know, mm-hmm. goose, if you're fancy. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know what y'all eat. Um, thinking of like our, our fish and seafood, our eggs, dairy products, as long as you're not lactose intolerant. Um, you know, lesser quality proteins, but proteins you can't eat and combine or thinking like of our legumes and our beans. So like all beans, lentils, chickpeas, split peas, stuff like that, tofu. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, very... Like we're talking like D tier, F tier, yes, nuts and like seeds and stuff. But again, like their protein quality isn't going to be the highest. You are going to have to make sure that you combine that with other 
you know, sources. So like, you know, having nuts and legumes together to have a better amino acid profile is going to serve you much better. And like we said, like slowly start to do this. Don't do it all at once because you're really going to have to either supplement with, you know, enzymes or like HCL or something like that. And, you know, you just don't want to run into gut issues by any means, because not only is that going to be something you'll have to repair, but then it's probably going to put you off to eating that much protein and you'll get frustrated. Right. Right. So yeah, that is protein y'all. We love protein. Absolutely. And just one last thing to touch on, like protein powders are not inherently dangerous or like not inherently like the devil. Like I know there's sometimes like a, a debate other as to what you should be using in terms of protein powder. Like, oh, well, it's not really a whole food. So I probably shouldn't use it. Like if your protein is super high and, you know, eating that much volume of food, whether you are, you know, an omnivore or vegan or vegetarian, like it's okay to use protein powder to supplement the diet. It's okay. Mm -hmm. But again, it's a supplement. It's something that you can use like a scoop or two, depending upon, obviously, if you're like a massive bodybuilder, maybe you have to do three to five. Um, But yeah. like, it's okay to use, just make sure that you're not using, you know, a whey protein isolate for every single meal, because things like chicken, beef, like yeah. eggs, like they have great sources of micronutrients as well that your body needs. So mm -hmm. don't be afraid that like using a scoop or two is not a big deal. But if we're doing like five, six, seven scoops a day and we're not prioritizing whole foods, like, you know, that's kind of like another discussion. Yeah, you need to have a, a variety of protein in your diet. So you can't, well, it's, it's not advised. You can do whatever you want, but it's not advised to do um, every single meal, a protein shake, every single meal, like one form of protein, every single meal, eggs, every, like you need to have a, a good variety of protein because like Ashley said, there is, uh, there are different micronutrients that come with each, uh, which with each source that you need. Um, so, uh, an optimal way to do it would, so I'll give you an example of my meal plan there. You're getting, you're getting a little tidbit of what I eat. So I have uh pasture raised eggs in the morning and egg whites and then i have chicken and then i have whey protein or whey protein isolate and then i have ground beef and then my last meal it my most of my proteins from um non-fat greek yogurt which is slower digesting so all of those i don't think i have i don't think i named us the same protein in any meal did i no, no. it's there so you see there's a variety of protein um and it's very important like for my micronutrients and what i'm using it for so you know whey isolates really good pre-workout post-workout it digests quickly um maximizing muscle protein synthesis during that training time um so if you have any questions feel free to reach out to me and ashley like <laughs> um we're on ig but yeah i hope that this helps you it gives you an idea of just maybe switching things up, maybe trying something new, because hopefully you are diversifying your protein sources. Like, you know, even if you are a omnivorous person, like feel free to, you know, add in like plant-based sources as long as you're combining them. Like you're allowed to eat like tofu, like it's mm -hmm. okay. So just diversify what you're eating. Make sure like the things on your plate just have a nice color variety to them. And if you have to supplement with protein powder here and there, it's okay. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't overthink. Don't stress about it because that <laughs> ends mm -hmm. up doing more harm than good in the long term. But 
Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Hopefully it just provided a little bit more insight as to why protein is the bomb.com. But Britt, as always, thank you for being a wonderful co-host and we'll catch you guys next time. See you later. Eat your protein. Ha <laughs> ha!